We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thoughts control. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we're working to save the classroom so that you can save, so that we can save the country. (laughs) Someone's saving something around here. (laughs) We are saving the country. Um, K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. When you say something one too many times, it just doesn't quite work. (laughs) Well, to all of our listeners, I think you can tell from the start of our show how the rest of the show is going to go. It's going to be a really good time. So we want to introduce again to you, Mr. James Dickey of the Upper Midwest Law Center. He is here to discuss with us some more of the topics, again, that will be familiar to you if you're a listener on our show, but it's really fun to hear uh, more of a legal dissection of what's going on so that you can not only see the moral problems with it, the educational problems, but there are some real legal problems as well. So Mm -hmm. James, thank you so much for joining us again. Well, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So last week we spent uh, almost all of our time talking about the social studies standards and the legal issues with those. And this week we're going to turn our attention to the Minnesota teacher licensing requirements. Um, They were put out in and adopted in 2023. Uh, Just, I think, last maybe November or December, I think they... They came out saying that they were going to be adopted. Um, So there's a lot of issues that we've covered in our show about the teacher licensing requirements. But from a legal perspective, what makes them so controversial? Well, there's a lot. Um, I'll (laughs) I'll give a couple examples of what the, and this is from the Professional Educator Licensing and Standards Board, the PELSB. one of the standards that they have placed for uh, effective practice for teachers, as they say it, requires teachers to, quote, foster an environment that ensures student identities such as, skip a few words, gender identity, mm-hmm. are historically and socially contextualized, affirmed, and incorporated into a learning environment. Uh, and so, you know, that's one quick example where if you want to become a licensed teacher in Minnesota, you have to demonstrate these standards of effective practice as part of getting your license. Mm-hmm. And you, as we see it, this standard 
requires those teachers to demonstrate that they will affirm the gender identity of a student regardless of their religious views about whether that gender identity only corresponds with biological sex. Mm-hmm. And as a pluralist country, a country where we believe in the First Amendment, where everyone has their right to, to believe what they want, uh, and, 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 to, and to not just to, to believe, but to exercise that religious belief, um, basically what we look at this as doing is creating a, um, a test, like a, a litmus test, a religious litmus test, where if you have traditional monotheistic views on gender identity and or even just biological. I was going to say, we don't even have, it's just yes. biology yes. here. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Um, then, then you potentially, as we see it, could be prohibited from getting a license. Mm-hmm. And so we think this is a huge problem, and we want licensed teachers. We think I think that as a policy, you want licensed teachers to be the best teachers, regardless of what they believe. Right. And right. that that is right. not that is not, certainly not what the Pelsby uh, standards of effective practice do. Mm-hmm. And so I want to um, direct the listeners to just one one quick thing here, um, because what I hear a lot, um, really from a variety of different avenues, is well, it's not in my school. Yeah. That might be everywhere else, but it's not in my school. And what I keep trying to explain, and I hope we're doing that on this show, that I think, James, you just delineated very clearly, is there's an ideology litmus test that's being implemented for any teacher. So, you know, say the teacher goes to a a private religious Christian university and gets their teaching, you know, degree in teaching. To get a license in Minnesota, this teacher has to espouse these ideologies. Yeah. You, I mean, and so it yeah. is in your schools. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, and that, that's how we see it as well. Yeah. I mean, this, just, is, this is not just a problem for the individual teachers. This is also a problem for conscientious uh, uh, faith-based universities that are that have uh, you know programs to license teachers that people can go through to get that license. Yeah, and that was uh, actually something. Yeah. Sorry about that, James. I was just going to say that's something that I was going to bring up too. Is I was surprised during this process because I know I testified as a school leader about this issue um, before the judge, and I don't understand why we didn't see more of the Christian universities involved in pushing back on this before it actually was accepted. Now, I've spoken with the president of at least one Christian college, and now they are pushing back. And they are saying, wait, we want clarification on what you mean by affirm. If affirm means that agreement, then that is unconstitutional and we cannot we can't do that at our school. But if affirm means I understand that you think this is what you are and whatever, <laughs> you know, um, then they see that as being a slightly different thing. And so it's just interesting to me. I don't know if it just, you know, there wasn't a lot of fanfare about this. And I don't think the media covered it very well, which is probably I am purpose- so shocked. I know. So I was going to say, which is probably pur- purposeful. I'm being nice. But, um, but that said... Um, I, I, I did. I did expect to see more pushback from the very institutions that are training these teachers in the first place. And um, I, I do you think they were just unaware? Do you think they didn't think it was going to happen? Um, have you talked to any other of the presidents of these colleges? 
Well, I can't comment specifically on that. I'm sorry. That one I have okay. to keep close to the chest. Yeah, but, okay, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's okay. I, I just am surprised that because I do see this, because most of the Christian colleges will outright say, we are mostly training our teachers to go into the public schools. I mean, they're preparing them. So, for instance, when Common Core was new, they were teaching them Common Core state standards and making sure that they were up to speed on all of these. Um, and that's the way it's always been. And so if this is the case, that that's really the bulk of what they're planning to do, that, that changes everything. And, yeah, it does. It does. I, I will. I will note. Just uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, you know who was making comments at the beginning uh, throughout this process. I will note that in uh, at the t- at the time that these uh, were being you know debated and people were talking about them, I know at least I know of at least one example where uh, Crown College and uh, Dr. Christopher Matthews uh, submitted a comment. Um, raising similar concerns to what you've described okay. about Good. affirming uh, gender identity in, mm-hmm. as part of the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just, you know, that's just public record based mm-hmm. on his yes. statement uh, submitted know. on September 13, 2022. Okay, that's um, good to know. But, but, but there is one, there's, there's at least one uh, university out there that has, in fact, said something about this. And I think, but I think that, um, you know, for some people, I would I would guess, and I don't know this, I'm speculating, but I would guess that there's a little bit of a well, you know, who knows how it's actually going to be applied. So maybe it's maybe you know they worded it in a way, but they're not going to apply it that way. Mm-hmm. And and my my think my response to that speculation is I I don't think you want to be the guinea pig, right? <laughs> and it would be better to challenge it in advance to get. Clarity, because one thing the courts can do and, and often do is provide clarity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because even let's just let's, I'll just spitball with you on a on a you know analysis of why it would why would you bring a lawsuit on something? Okay, well, if you win the lawsuit, obviously there's a reason to bring a lawsuit, right? Because then you get what you're looking for. But sometimes you bring a lawsuit where you think that the government means something, and then the judges say, you know, in the course of the lawsuit, the government essentially changes its tune and, and becomes a lot more moderate. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. the courts say, well, if the government is doing what they say that they're doing, well, that's, that's not a problem. And so then you may lose the case, but you end up actually winning the, yes. the, the issue. Mm-hmm. And, and mm, I'm, I'm telling point. you that from experience, mm-hmm. because we sued in Minnesota over the California car rules being adopted because we were worried that the Pollution Control Agency was just going to adopt California standards and eliminate gas vehicles eventually. Right, right. And they, because of our lawsuit, they expressly disclaimed that they would ever do that. Right? <laughs> so and now so, you got that in writing, yeah. Really? Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean, and and the Court of Appeals said, well, you know, you know, I'm, I'm summarizing, but basically yeah. said, well, if it was as you know, the the plaintiff, the Minnesota Auto Dealers Association, which is our client describes it, that would be really problematic, but we're just going to take the Pollution Control Agency at its word, and they can't do this unless they go through further rulemaking. Okay, mm-hmm. well, at least we have it in writing. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. I'm glad to hear that, by the way. I didn't know that. I still thought they were trying to have them uh, outlawed by 2030, so that's well, good to know. Well, California certainly is, yeah. and Minnesota, as far as, as far as I know, hasn't quite gotten there yet, but 
I would say hold on to your hat. Yeah, right. They're trying. We're we're just a tiny bit behind. It's it's the cold weather. It slows us down just a tiny (laughs) bit. Well, and California was even limiting how often their electric cars could be charged. And that's without the cold weather. Imagine. Which, you guys, is great. You know why? Because they have an excellent electronic grid infrastructure system that can absolutely (laughs) handle Hundreds of thousands of more cars needing to be charged nightly. I've I've heard that brownouts they don't happen in California. <laughs> Never. Oh yeah, no, those are a myth. Those are made up by the vast oh, right wing conspiracy. Goodness, oh, oh I know it's crazy. Well, bringing us back into the teacher licensure rules, then um, you we got started on this whole conversation talking about the idea of affirming um, and affirming beliefs that you don't agree with. So this loyalty oath. Um, I know that. Uh, Doug Seaton turned in seven pages worth of comments back in 2022, um, August of 2022, on this issue. Are there some other key points that you'd like to share with our listeners about problems with the teacher licensure rules? Yeah, you know, be, because I think of our comments, uh, Doug's comments, and other groups like FAIR and and others who did a great, Center of the American Experiment, who did a great job submitting comments, um, there was one standard that was actually change because of that, because it was stand for F and it required a teacher to feature and highlight certain resources, even though, you know, Minnesota public schools uh, curriculum is a district level uh, item, not a state level item. And so that was seen as problematic. So that was a good result that there was some uh, change that came out of it, similar to what we talked about last week related to uh, the social study standards having some changes made as required by the judge. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. One last thing I'd mention that's a real problem in our eyes is the uh, standards related to what the, for effective practice related to what is called racial consciousness and reflection. Okay. And what the standards require is they say that the teacher must, quote, understand how ethnocentrism, Eurocentrism, deficit-based teaching, and white supremacy undermine pedagogical equity. So the, what we pointed out as a problem with this is, is, is really simple. When you're asked to understand something, you first have to agree the concept does, in fact, achieve right. existence yeah. and, right. and cause the result. Yeah. So by saying you understand how white supremacy undermines pedagogical equity, you essentially have to agree that white supremacy is, in fact, undermining pedagogical equity. Right. Yes. Right. But I don't, I mean, I, I think that the United States as a nation is not imbued with white supremacy is not structurally racist. In fact, the only structural racism that I am seeing based on the lawsuits that we have brought at the Upper Midwest Law Center are actually government discriminating against people who are in the majority population based on race. <laughs> so, oh you know, the, st- only, the only such thing as structural, this is like there's this guy, Ibram Kendi. You, I'm sure you've heard of him. Oh, yes. And the <laughs> no, of, never. Not his real name. <laughs> not his real name. <laughs> just saying. His, his anti-racism theory, he just says it outright. He says the only way to remedy past discrimination, which we all acknowledge existed, mm-hmm. is to discriminate against people based on their race today. Yeah. Now, our 14th Amendment says the opposite. So we look at this and, and say, like, you cannot create an unconstitutional condition on getting a license. You can't force a teacher to say, I agree, America's a white supremacist nation, it's causing all the problems in our education system and all the outcome disparities between white students and minority students, and, and therefore, give me my license, please. Like, right. You don't put conditions on licensure that require mm-hmm. someone to 
agree with something that is simply false. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you know, it always sounds very far-fetched to bring up this next particular topic, but I want our listeners to think back to the multiple interviews that we have done with She Van Fleet, uh, Mm -hmm. an amazing um, woman who was born in uh, Maoist China and lived under his rule for many years and then has now been an American citizen and is speaking out. Once you see all of these puzzle pieces coming together, folks, I'm sorry, but you cannot unsee them. Mm-hmm. When you are hearing that we're not at, we're not asking teachers to just go to a university, get a degree, learn how to teach math, learn how to teach reading, but we're actually asking them to affirm specific ideologies. <clears throat> what yeah. does that sound like? Mm-hmm. Do I yeah. really Sounds need like to say it out revolution. loud? Yeah, yes. that's exactly what she says is happening. When we look yep. at, you know, the, the social studies standards and the standard for engaging in political activism and resistance, come on, guys, what does this sound like? Mm-hmm. And not to mention the fact that within the standards for these teacher licensure rules, they removed all the information about content knowledge. It's just right. gone. It's just gone. So you isn't don't have to the, know anything. Yeah, right. you don't have to know anything. And by the way, I think there are certain groups that don't have to pass the test anymore either, or they lowered the percentage you needed to pass the test or something to that effect. I know something they, they, they lowered the percentage uh, to pass the standard test okay. in order to re- actually to retroactively grant licenses to those who failed in the past too. Oh, retroactively? I did not know that. So, yeah. So is this actually in place right now then is this happening these retroactive licenses are being issued and this is all in place as it's written or is it on hold well it's not on hold it's proceeding forward the i don't recall the effective date offhand i do think that i think that the uh, pelsby licensure requirements kick in uh in, in this upcoming year okay uh so i think that that universities i think i think actually beginning in 2025 but Universities will have to start implementing what the Pelosi is requiring into their programs uh, right off the bat. Yeah, next and, year. and by the way, you know, I want to, I do want to mention one more thing on the Pelosi, which is that the response they gave to some folks who are just just stating the concerns we've talked about so far. I want to quote from them, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, go ahead. It's a short quote. They said this: "Educators who are uncomfortable." Being prepared to serve all students always have the option to serve more select groups in private school settings where meeting the requirements for licensure in the state are not required. Oh my goodness! You're so just, kidding. You know, you know, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> they, they literally instead, instead no of idea. recognizing sincerely held beliefs that people have, they just said basically, "You just don't. You just don't want to serve all students." You, yeah. you, they impugn their motives instead. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, as Abigail brought up earlier. That's self-selecting out people who would disagree with their viewpoints out of the public schools. And yeah. so then you end up with this, you know, 100% lockstep agreement, which where else have we seen that? Oh, maybe Come at on, the university guys, don't level. Don't make us say it out loud. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, what we've seen happen in the universities is, is in the process of happening right now, at least in the public schools of Minnesota if all of this does remain intact. So I know that there's another topic that you are very antsy to talk about with us t- tonight, um, James, and um, that is some conversation about an alarming issue within the Minnesota colleges and universities 
With respect to um, Students United and um, a fee that's being forced from students, so why don't you go into talking a bit about that now? Yeah, so this is a really troubling uh, issue. So there, and I, I, you know, it's funny, I, I'm, I bet there are not many students who know about this, so I hope that they're listening, and I hope students who are still in high school or are thinking about going to Minsk schools are listening, uh, as well as the parents of those students who are currently in Minsk schools. Uh, I guess they changed the name, right? But I don't remember what it was. No, I don't now. either. <laughs> um, but I hope all those folks are listening because it affects them. Um, there is a mandatory fee that is forced upon all students at Minsk schools in Minnesota. And it, it sounds like it's a small potatoes thing. It's 80 cents per credit hour, or some schools charge uh, $12 for uh, a 12 to 18 credit load. But it works out to, you know, 20 bucks per student per year. Mm-hmm. But what happens as a result of this fee is that it is exclusively dedicated to funding a far-left lobbying group called Students United that goes to St. Paul and apparently also goes to Washington, D.C., and advocates for its particular positions and viewpoints alone. Hmm. Sounds a lot like that union case. That uh, (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, though. Keep describing. It it sounds like Janice, doesn't it? Yes, it it does. Just like it. Yep. That's right. And so... um, you know, what does the Students United group do? Like, one of the things they had is they, they used to run a website. I think they've taken it down since, but um, I've got the receipts, uh, called FCK Student Debt. Huh. And the website featured a middle finger facing you as you are looking at it. Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, saying, this, saying that basically we should abolish student debt. Don't worry about whether or not uh, some of the students who are these people are supposedly representing would agree that, when you enter into a loan agreement that you're making a contract that you should have to repay your debt. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. You know, they have an entire page of resources uh, related to Black Lives Matter, which includes statements that, like, all students are impacted by police brutality and systematic racism. Um, And they've got uh, all kinds of of advocacy positions along those lines, including uh, reference to Equity 2030, which is described as an anti-racist organizing principle that seeks to close purported educational gaps across uh, race and ethnicity. But we know that anti-racism itself is really just code for, as Ibram Kendi has explicitly stated, discriminating today to somehow make up for wrongs of the past. Right, right. And by so doing, these gaps that they keep talking about are actually only growing larger. Yeah. And certainly are not closing. Well, and I was looking at their resource page um, for Students United, and every single resource listed for a student to possibly read up on, there's no sense of if you even want to consider an alternative viewpoint, it, you're not going to find it with them. Mm-hmm. They are That's listing right. the 1619 Project, which has been roundly discredited yep. by actual Absolutely. historians. Mm-hmm. So let's, again, we're... The common theme here is let's let's not ask students to know things and then we can have Mm -hmm. a debate and we may not agree. That's okay. It's they don't even have to know stuff, but they they should be super loud. (laughs) That's right. Be activists. Yeah, just be activists. Another one of the things that I I really found uh, just refreshing on the Students United page was their position on menstrual equity. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. What? And yes, I did yeah. just say that on air. Oh, I am embarrassed. Oh my I mean, I'm just sitting it. here going, so college kids <laughs> can't afford to handle that on their own. They need someone to advocate. When they're 18, 19, mm-hmm. 20 years old, someone needs to provide that for them. Well, I mean, we are really preparing adults to stand on their own well, two what feet they're and be probably want, What they're probably promoting is I know, seeing it all in both bathrooms. But I'm just, I'm just sitting <laughs> here going, yeah. I mean, they don't need to repay their student debt. They don't need to pay for their menstrual products. They, ha- they, are, they would like to end campus hunger, which I thought, again, you are all kiddos that are old enough. Go get a job. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're yeah. not talking about seven or eight year olds that are dependent on their families and their families may be in a difficult position. We're talking about kids that a hundred years ago, these kids would have been out on a farm, you know, on their own, building their own log cabin by this point. <laughs> and instead, right. these these kiddos cannot manage to get a job to pay for their own lunch and their own monthly consumption mm. needs. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not it's, it's not. We're not so far removed from reality that there are not. We, we know there are people out there who are currently working one or two jobs. Right. You know, they don't graduate with a massive amount of debt from, right. you know, from from a school or from a Minsky school. And yet, yet, you know, you've got these folks, you know, sitting together, organizing, uh, getting paid for through this forced fee that every so every single student whether they agree with it or not, they're forced to pay it. It's yeah. a violation of their First Amendment rights. Clearly, right. there's, a, there's, a, there's a court case. This is struck down in New Jersey in 1985. My goodness. It's obvious. How did, they get this, how did they get this through in the first place? How, how did Minskew even agree to taking this fee from every student and giving it to this group? How did this come about? You know, I, I don't know the history of it specifically, but I, I just all I know is that this is why, you know, if you don't, if you're not scrutinizing things, if you're not paying attention to details like you do, you all do on your program, then you're just allowing those who show up to win without without a fight. Yeah, mm. that's yep. what I would say. That's, that's how really this probably came about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and look, it may have come about historically speaking because I haven't, I don't have the history of it, you know, right in front of me. But it may have just speculating come about historically because. There was this concept that this was going to be a nonpartisan group and it was mm. going to advocate for the for the interests of students, but it has mm-hmm. turned into something totally different. And this is exactly why students mm-hmm. are not required to subsidize right. groups like this under the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I bet you're right that it started with alter- with good uh, motives mm-hmm. and it just has shifted over the course of time. Yeah. Well, we are so glad that you and your team are on top of these issues. And um, as we close out our show today, I really want to be able to give you another opportunity to plug um, Upper Midwest Law Center. Well, thank you for that. Thanks again for having me. The first and most important thing here is we represent all of our all of our clients for free. And we want to sue to stop this Students United fee. This is unconstitutional. Mm. So if you're a student out there, if you are in high school going to a Minskew college, if you are currently at a Minskew college and you don't want to pay that fee, you don't want to subsidize uh, people who you strongly disagree with, you should contact the Upper Midwest Law Center, legal at umlc.org. And for everyone else who's not in that boat, please support us, umlc.org. Uh, you can sign up for our, our, our newsletter that comes out every week. You can also chip in at umlc.org slash donate. And we have a podcast on Alpha News called Minnesota Law Report as well. 
and thank you so much for your support because we, uh, we're a fully donor-supported organization, and that's how we can charge our clients zero to do the work that we do. Mm, absolutely amazing. And I would just encourage people to go to their website and mm-hmm. to see all that they're doing now and all that they've done successfully in the past. You're making a big impact, James, and um, I'm really impressed with everything that the organization is doing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And again, please find them on YouTube, on Rumble. I got a chance to listen to some of their um, legal summaries. And again, it's hard to keep track of everything, folks. We completely understand that. So take advantage of these great resources because they are out there for you so that you can be informed about what's going on and connect with people who are fighting for your values. Have a good night, everyone. Yep. See you next week. Have a good night.